Craig Breslow is now officially taking over as the chief baseball officer for the Boston Red Sox. But what's the first move he should make this offseason? Join me on today's episode of Lockdown Red Sox, where we discuss all of this and more. You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gabby Hurlbut, former ESPN social media associate and also the current host of the Boston Balling Podcast. And I am here to bring you the latest in all things Boston Red Sox, Monday through Friday to your favorite podcast feed, whether the Red Sox are making me angry happy or something in between. I'm still here. So you should be too. So thank you for making the show your first listen of every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. I'll tell you, I mean, this offseason so far for the Red Sox has been incredibly uneventful. Not much really has taken place other than just a bunch of rumors about who might take over baseball operations for the team. I am glad the rumors are now officially over and they have brought in Craig Breslow to take over that role because I don't know about you, but I was getting really sick of hearing all these names be tossed around. And now finally, there is somebody in that position. Today's episode, we're going to be talking all about it. As I mentioned on yesterday's show, I do have a very important guest with me on today's episode. He is just such a great Red Sox personality, formerly a Barstool Sports, now hosts the In the Monster podcast. You all know him as just one of those great Red Sox Twitter guys who's always trying to lighten the mood, even when things are going really, really tough for the Boston Red Sox. Steve Peral, how are you doing today? I am doing great. I want to start by saying I love that jingle at the top. I love that, like, don't. That was nice. That's the nice little, like, you do the pre intro, then you got that, then the actual intro. You got the whole spiel down. Very good spiel from, from you know, the beginning to now. So uh, that was good stuff. I, I like that uh, presentation of, of how I, you know, exist in this current Red Sox Nation format. It's been tough to lighten the mood. It's yep. been very tough to lighten the mood. I'm really never been known as the guy that's like ripping people or, you know, doing all these rants or having super hot takes. I think we like having fun with this team. Uh, we're super happy with the access, whether it was with Section 10, with ITM. We love the access the Red Sox have given us uh, to players, to just being on the field before the game and that atmosphere at Fenway. But it, this has been hard. This has been really hard these last couple of years. And now, like you're mentioning with the offseason, there really wasn't much to get excited about. But that's not surprising. It's October. Major League Baseball doesn't want you to announce much during the playoffs. You don't want to overshadow the playoffs. So instead of that, the Red Sox are going to overshadow Game 6 of the World Series because they're going to announce officially Craig Breslow is the guy the day before a possible Game 6 between the Rangers and Diamondbacks. But no, I'm excited. We got a guy as the CBO. I kind of wish he was back to GM and we could, you know, RIP the CBO title. But we're not going to do that. We're going to, you know, bring it back for another guy with the initial CB that went to Yale. So that's where we're at. 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, I thought it was hilarious that they tried to sneak that news in right before a game seven was going on. And I saw on Twitter and I said, I can't deal with this right now. Like I'm about to watch this very good game seven that we're probably going to see tonight. So it's only the Red Sox to just try to sneak that news in there when everybody's attention is on that game seven that was on our TVs that night. Yeah, I, I feel like I've never understood the whole like don't release news when the games are going on. If your team's out of it, we've had to struggle for these, not just these last couple of years, but specifically since August every single day, just with meaningless Red Sox stuff going on games that don't matter. Transactions that don't matter. Guys getting called up that don't matter that we're never going to see play on a meaningful Red Sox team. So let us announce our new leader of operations. Like let us do that. Like we can't do that. We got to let you guys, rub it in and show like what a real playoff team looks like while we're just sitting at home. Like, all right, well, we'll let you finish your meaningful games. Well, we got to sit here and hope that we have a new guy calling all the shots. So I've never really liked that. But the fact that we're at this point now, the fact that we know who it is and that I've had enough time, I think 48 hours now to convince myself this is the best hire the Red Sox have ever made. <laughs> I mean, it's a tricky one. Cause like I was pretty close with Heim Bloom. Like I'm pretty good buddies with Heim. And we had him on the podcast three times. We had him on section 10, like three times. We probably interviewed him like six, seven times. And, you know, obviously I'm kind of a Heim homer. Understandable that he didn't do everything right. Understandable this stuff that he would have wanted to tweak. But I, I don't, I didn't want to jump to John Henry this quickly. But the first line in his statement being this, like, after 2018, we wanted to avoid the ups and downs associated with winning. And that plainly hasn't happened when he has been backing every step of the way, what's gone on the last four years, I, it just, it doesn't sit right with me. I hate that Haim has clearly been made out to be the scapegoat, but now it's, we're turning the page. We're turning the page onto Craig Breslow. Is this the guy that can immediately Gabby, he immediately needs to bring in top of the rotation guys. That should be the biggest concern on everyone's mind. If you're a Red Sox fan, can Craig Breslow, it just let that one sit out. It, by the way, we'll get to Craig or Craig. I say Craig. I feel like it's Craig. Oh, no, it's Craig. I, it's Craig, right? Craig, yeah. like an egg. Okay, yeah, Craig. It's not Craig. I'm retiring Craig. Joey got on my case for that. So it's Craig Breslow. Can he be the guy that's going to immediately come in and get Aaron Nola and get Jordan Montgomery? And I mean, Yamamoto is kind of like a pie in the sky type deal, but. Can he be the guy that's going to do that when he doesn't have experience, obviously, in this exact role? I don't know. That's that's a big question. Yeah, I think it really just starts with that exactly. The Red Sox were trying to find somebody who could come in here and immediately invest in that major league team because I think Bloom did a fantastic job of revamping that farm system because the Red Sox farm system was really not in a good place at all after 2018. And what he's done since he got here to really develop that talent and acquire talent that the Red Sox could really see being long-term fits for this organization is great. But now it becomes a matter of we can still – keep that talent within the system, but now we need to focus on the major league club because John Henry and company probably got impatient with what was going on. And they said, we're tired of losing and we're tired of finishing in last place. So we want to really build a team now that can compete for a playoff spot again, because those are the good days of the Boston Red Sox, not these teams that are 
up and down and making us think they're back when they're not and then losing a bunch of games and then having their pitching staff get worn out at the end of the season because they're being overused. That's not what the Boston Red Sox should be about. And for me, what really did it with Bloom um, ultimately, I think, was the trade deadline and um, the fact that I really wanted to see him bring in some pitching at the trade deadline and the fact that they kind of lingered as one of those teams that didn't really make a whole lot of moves at the deadline ultimately to me might've been what kind of said to ownership. Okay. This might not be the guy moving forward that we need in this organization. And obviously there's multiple reasons why them firing him could have happened, but at a minimum, I didn't think they would do it while the season was still going on. I thought Either they would wait till the season was over or they would give him another chance this offseason when they were more flexible in terms of the money that they can spend and being able to utilize this offseason to do what he can to build that major league roster up to the caliber that they wanted it to be. I thought that they should have given him that opportunity. Yeah, I know for a fact that this was – Himes' approach this offseason was going to be one that was very aggressive. Like the, it, There's no reason that you would make the moves or prevent yourself from making certain moves leading up to this point because, like he told us on ITM, he's like, the baseball gods will come back to bite you if you kind of jump the gun, if you try to take shortcuts. And I get what he means. He doesn't want to give up top guys. He doesn't want to give up York. doesn't want to give up Rafaela. He doesn't want to make these trades that might immediately – now hurt that future image. Now, when you talk about winning now and in the future, all right, the now thing didn't happen outside of a you know blip in the radar in 21. Then now you're 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 also messing up the future. So now it's like your 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 you know grand statement is just completely false on on all respects. So I think Heim was fully ready to be aggressive this offseason. And so anytime you hear from Henry or ownership, the rare times they speak or put a message out there. It's always like, oh, we're really disappointed that this happened. Like, oh, we can't believe that this has been the outcome. We're tired of last place, which is like, yeah, yeah, obviously. Tired of last place is like such an easy thing to do. That's like if, if you know, you, you get the worst ingredients possible and you try to put a pizza together. It comes out, oh, my God, it tastes terrible. Yeah. Like, it's going to taste terrible. The ingredients suck. So, like, that's how it's going to turn out. And then he acts, oh, my God, I can't believe this is a bad pizza. That's kind of what John Henry's been doing now for the last three or four years, hiding behind Heim Bloom. And it's very easy for that. And, again, part of being a billionaire, I'm, I'm talking like I would know, part of being a billionaire, like John Henry, is you get to kind of hide behind your money. And that's what he's been able to do. It's like, all right, I'm the guy that's at the top of the food chain. And we hire people to make all these decisions to make the smart. Should we trade this guy? Should we acquire that guy? Is it really worth me out of my pocket paying insert player here this much money versus the next guy? And so you do get the right to hide behind that money and hide it because no one's going to tell John Henry what to do. So now they can release statements where it's kind of blaming Heim and making him look like the bad guy. But it, what I don't I don't want to talk too much about the Heim Bloom stuff, but that is obviously a natural transition into now where they are with Craig Breslow as somebody that my initial reaction to the news was this isn't somebody that's immediately going to have to come in and feel like the outlier, feel like the guy that doesn't belong, feel like the kid that transferred to the new school and is in the new town that doesn't have any friends. Craig Breslow understands the circumstances within that front office. Also, he's somebody that's been an assistant GM under Theo in Chicago 
and has talked with plenty of GMs and I'm sure has a really good understanding for what the structure is like in the front office in Boston. And I would be very curious. This is the one thing that I should probably just ask Heim, but I don't want to because it's about the guy that took his job. So I'm just going to avoid doing that. But I would love to know if Heim is going to give him any kind of advice, any kind of pointers. Hey, watch out for this person. Hey, that that's someone that will actually help you, you know, expect this moving forward. I know Heim Bloom is going to be very invested in the immediate future of the Red Sox and how things turn out these next couple of years, because that's really how we're going to grade. It's going to be a big part of how we grade his time with Boston. So I wonder if he's going to give, you know, the fellow Yale grad any pointers moving forward here. It's in my head. There's knowing him a little bit. It's a toss up. If you would actually do that, because it's like he did replace your job. But I know Haim is invested in the success of this team moving forward. And one would think that a guy like Breslow that has similar DNA to Bloom would be an easy one to reach out to and be like, hey, just, you know, this is just a little a couple pointers here. couple here's like the lay of the land. I think that would only help his case and Breslow's as well. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to Breslow, I don't think he takes that job without understanding what the circumstances are. And we obviously heard so many things about candidates who were turning down the job for obvious reasons, right? Just it seems to be this revolving door of people coming in and then getting replaced with somebody else once ownership feels like they don't need them anymore. And it's just pretty sad to think about really, but if I'm him, I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? I'm going to come in here and then I'm going to do what they want me to do. And then they might let go of me um, in a few years. So are you concerned at all about Breslow being not the top choice candidate because so many people have turned down the opportunity? Or do you truly feel like Breslow was somebody they had in mind from the start that they genuinely wanted? It sounds like when the interview process was going on from like anyone I talked to or any of the stuff I heard from reporters, they were very impressed with how he interviewed. And I think they brought him in for an interview. It's like, okay, he's a, he's a Theo guy. He won a ring here. He checked enough of the boxes. They love the analytical nerds as well. So like he checked that box. It's like, okay, this guy checks enough boxes that he can interview for us, especially when everyone and their mother is turning down the interview opportunity. So. Under those circumstances, he became, I think, a little more attractive a candidate. And I I think after the interview process, after, like Sam Kennedy said, Sam Kennedy never really BSs. Like, I, I know there's a lot of Red Sox fans that think he's kind of full of it. But if you read his statements, like, he is kind of like us. He is a fan of the team. I know he's a president. And I know a lot of times he has to take the bullets because Henry and Warner are hiding in the office. But I get that. When he says, you know, we heard from David Ortiz, we heard from Brock Holt, like these guys all said great things about Breslow. And then talking to other individuals that work with Breslow in an assistant GM role. It's not just what he meant, you know, coming out of the bullpen. How is that going to that that can help a little bit, but that's not going to play some huge role in putting a roster together. It really feels like the more they talk to people, the more they realize, oh, this is the right guy. For the job. So I, I don't know. I, I saw my boy Catillo put an article out there about this is going to be remembered as, you know, the amount of people that turned down the job and not necessarily that Craig Breslow got it. I hear him, but the more I've looked into Breslow, the more you hear from people that are really respectable in this area and that have been there, done that. It's not like, oh, like, I guess we'll give it to you. It's not one of those deals. It's not just like a, a handout. Like they really liked him. I think even if a lot of people weren't turning down the job, they would have strongly considered Breslow. 
So I, I wouldn't look at this as some like 12th, 13th, 14th option. I think he would have been in that final four category, regardless of how the interview process went with other candidates. Yeah, and we'll definitely know soon, you know, what he has in mind or what he's planning on doing because he's stepping into a tough situation. And the way that he navigates that is to me, what's going to be the most challenging part. So the question now becomes, you know, what types of moves is he going to make or would we like to see him make that's coming up next. There's a lot of unprecedented circumstances that take place in life, like fires in Hawaii, the COVID-19 pandemic, or even just tornadoes or hurricanes that happen in Florida. Very sad, unprecedented things. But having an emergency medical kit on you can always help reassure you in those times. So that's why Jace Medical offers a Jace case, which is basically a personalized emergency medical kit. And it contains five essential antibiotics that can treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. So that way, if you are stuck at home and you can't go out to get your medications, you can always have this on you as a way to feel like you're protected. Or even when you're traveling, you don't know what's going to happen if you just want peace of mind when you're traveling. The best thing about it is you can personalize it to yourself. So if there's a specific thing that you feel like you need in there, they can get that for you so that you feel completely comfortable with everything at all times. Jace Medical now offers customizability for your Jace case with dozens of add-on medications. Choose the medications that best fit you and your family's unique needs. So that way you'll never have to worry about anything. I personally think it's great to have. I know a lot of people who just have certain things that they worry about and they're afraid to travel because they don't feel like they'll have access to the proper medication. So Jace Medical has you covered. You can also talk to any of their physicians at any time of day, which is great also. So head to Jace Medical, enter the code LOCKEDON at checkout for a $20 discount on your order. That's promo code locked on at jasemedical.com, and you definitely won't be disappointed. And you also should download the SiriusXM app because you can get the home broadcast of every Red Sox game straight to your phone. And if you're anything like me, it really bothers you when you miss games. And if you're driving or you're on a road trip and you can't watch the game, you can definitely listen. So SiriusXM will have you covered for those broadcasts so you don't have to miss a single pitch of any game. So, Steve, I know we were talking about, you know, Breslow coming in, what message that really sends to people. And to me, it says that the Boston Red Sox are serious. They want change. They want to compete and be a team that is in the wild card conversation or even back in the AL East conversation and feeling like they're competitive. Breslow is here, seems like a very knowledgeable baseball guy. I'm sure he can offer some insight and perspective that might be unique. But in terms of what he can bring to the table, what types of moves are you really hoping to see him make in order to develop that trust in him early on in his tenure? Yeah, he's got to get the big dogs. He's got to get top end of the rotation starters. And I hate anytime someone new comes in, I think your natural inclination is to be like, all right, we're going to let them settle in, give them time. We'll see how it goes. That can't happen. That that can't happen in the current situation. He has to come in and we're talking about GM meetings are like next week. You got the winter meetings after that. 
very, very, very important decisions that'll impact the current and future formats, whatever roster of the Red Sox are happening in the next two months. So it's like, all right, welcome. How you doing? Go sign the big dogs now. Like that's, yep. <laughs> that's basically what he's going to have to do. And so anytime I, I am, I'm playing this in my brain. And now that I know how to say Craig correctly, I'm playing into my brain. I'm like, is Craig Breslow going to bring Aaron Nola, Jordan Montgomery, Blake Snell, Yamamoto? Is Craig Breslow going to bring those guys to Boston? And my brain keeps shooting back. No. And I'm fighting this internal battle of like, no, but they need them, though. They need those guys. So he's going to have to. It's like you're trying to squeeze a triangle into like a circle. It's like it doesn't really. I guess that could technically work. So there we go. We solved the problem. The triangle can't go into a circle. Breslow's going to do it. And we're going to figure it out from there. But I I just think it, it all boils down to that being that being the top of the food chain. Of course, you're going to have to figure out if Turner's coming back. He probably isn't. Uh, you know, who's your right fielder going to be? Is Verdugo going to be back? Are you happy enough with Abreu? How do you feel like with Duran for a full season? I feel great about it. Uh, Yoshida, maybe get him off his feet a little bit more. Is he going to play in a lot, be playing a lot of left field? What's the DH situation like? Is Rafi going to be DH more next year? Are you going to move that around instead of having to be at a guy like Turner that in the last like third of the year, he couldn't even move? And credit to him. I mean, JT played through it. I have endless respect for him. So there's a lot of roster decisions to be made, but it's all going to start with the rotation. You watch these postseason games right now, and it's like, how many guys that the Red Sox just threw out there as starters could even survive in these environments in Philly and in Atlanta and everywhere? You go down the list of some of these parks uh, that are going off. Could our guys actually perform at a high level? Maybe, you know, in a blue moon, but it's not consistently. And now you actually have some of the dudes in Montgomery and Nola that had really good outings this postseason that are going to be available. So, and Blake Snell's obviously done it before. Those are the guys you have to target. And if he's not able to bring him in and it becomes this like, all right, well, we're going to plan C, plan D, you know, down the list. That's when things get concerning, because then you're going to have to be sold on a rotation that you just deep down know is not going to get the job done. Yeah, I mean, Bayo, I'm a big fan of him and I really like the development and improvement that he's really shown um, you know, over the course of these last couple seasons. And there's definitely potential there, but he is not an ace and they can't go into the season thinking that he's a number one or even a number two. I actually think with where he's at right now, he's more like a number three. Um, ideally, they would get two high-end starters to add to the rotation, um, an actual legitimate ace and a number two to go behind him. And that's not to say Bayo can't get there. I've been pretty adamant on saying I do think eventually Bayo can get there but he's just not there yet and they just need more depth in this rotation because just like you said watching some of these playoff teams that pitching is really what is winning them these games I mean Jordan Montgomery has really pitched fantastic for that Rangers team Nathan Avaldi. I mean these guys are just pitching lights out in the playoffs and the Red Sox don't have guys right now that I could look at in that rotation and feel confident sticking them in like a do or die playoff game and say he can get the job done for sure. They, those are the players that they need. And another important element of this, cause that's, that's totally true. Another important element of this, like all the people that turned down the interview for the GM job or the CBO job, whatever, there is a stench around the Red Sox right now. It's not whatever the ownership thinks people look at the Red Sox, however they think they do, they don't. And however he might think, you know, free agent, oh, who wouldn't want to play in, but who, plenty of people 
wouldn't want to play in Boston right now. So you're going to have to overcome that. You're going to have a new chief baseball officer that needs to acquire the right top end talent in the rotation to come to Boston, a place where they finished in last place back to back years, could have missed the playoffs five seasons in a row if it weren't for like a bounce here or there in D.C. in 2021 at the end of the year. That's not something a lot of free agents want to do. A lot of times they're going to want to sign a deal to be, all right, number one or number two on a team that they can genuinely see winning the World Series next year. Are these guys that we list, are those guys all going to want to jump to come to the Red Sox? This is one of the first times these last couple of seasons where I haven't gone to the offseason with that brain of like, oh, of course they'd want to come here. If the money's right, of course they'd want to end up here. Now it's like you're looking at these other teams that are more willing to spend, and it it brings in that doubt. That doubt starts to creep in if they're actually going to be able to pull these moves off because it's not like you're just one top starter away. They're not. Yeah. That's that's what the, you know the position they put themselves in recently and trying to convince you that, oh, Sale, if he's this, if he's that, and if Tanner's this and Whitlock's that, they're not. So they, they aren't the guys. Bayo, to your point, I think is a three right now. He could probably develop into a two by the end of the season. I think in the postseason, he could technically be your game two starter. Um, but again, you got to get there. You got to get to the playoffs. And this this playoffs, last playoffs, it teaches you if you have a good enough team that's buzzing at the right time and has two top end rotation guys, you can go to the World Series like that can happen. So they're not that far, but it's just, again, it comes back to, do you believe, do we all believe that these free agents aren't only just going to want to come here, but that Breslow is going to be able to get them here? Yeah, and I think Yamamoto is an interesting name because obviously he's a very, very well-desired um, pitcher who a lot of teams would want on their team, the Red Sox included. It's going to be interesting to see that process because his decision-making process is definitely probably going to be different from some of these other guys who have been around the league and are really looking for that team that they can win a world series with for somebody like him. He's going to want to go somewhere where he feels comfortable with the environment that he's going to. Um, Cause you know, if you're coming from another country and you're coming to play here and you haven't played in major league baseball before, what team is going to provide you that comfortability that you want in order to entice you to play there? So I actually think that the Red Sox have a better shot at him than they might have at some of these other free agent starting pitchers that are looking at the Red Sox right now and saying, do I want to go to a team like that that isn't as close as people think they might be to winning the World Series? If I'm going to go to a team like that, like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get that ring. Whereas with him, I think for him, it's going to come down to more about comfortability, more so than looking for that team that right away next year could be a World Series caliber team. Yeah, and if you're looking at top starters, I mean, the list isn't that long. Top free agent starters, it's it's pretty short. So that's why I say the next couple months. I mean, sometimes I remember I think Bryce signed in like February with the Phillies yeah, back yeah. in 19 or whatever. Like there's some guys that slip through where you look back, you're like, how the hell was that guy still around <laughs> that deep into the offseason? I mean, even JD in 18, yeah. Sox got him during spring training and he would have won the MVP if Mookie didn't go off. So sometimes you'll get guys in February, but you're going to get a lot of them from now until Christmas. These next like exactly two months are going to be likely when we'll have a good idea if the Sox are going to make the playoffs next October. So it's, 
again, like I know I'm probably feels like I'm repeating myself a lot, but like this is a very important 60 day stretch. And can Breslow get these pitchers we're talking about? That is a huge question mark. And it's not, I don't like the backup. The backup plans suck. Like, I don't like the backup plans. It's it's going to be taking a lot of risk. Oh, well, if this guy can do that, if this guy can do this. And I mentioned this on ITM before, but I remember talking to Bloom in Philly this year back in, I think it was May. And, you know, having a conversation with the state of the team, they were actually kind of buzzing at that point. They had a decent, they had finally gotten over 500. I know it was like the most 500 team ever. And then they, you know, naturally towards the end of the year, fall back to 500. But, um, you know, they had a little momentum. And I, I remember asking them then of like, hey, but let's say this team makes the playoffs. Like, how is this rotation going to do it? And and he mentioned a lot. Well, if Bayo is this, if Paxton can be that, if Sale can be that, if Whitlock can be that. And I get what he's saying. I understand it. Like, in a perfect world, if all these guys stayed healthy and played it to the top of their ability and maxed out, you know, to their ceiling, fine. But it was a lot of if this, if that, if this. You bring in guys like Nola Montgomery, you bring in real starters, you don't have to ask if as much. There's there's proven yeses. There's proven this is what's going to happen if the team, if the lineup, if everybody can get you to the postseason, you can give this guy the ball in game one and feel comfortable. And there's nobody the Red Sox have right now as a starting pitcher that you would feel comfortable giving the ball in a game one situation. Let's say hypothetically on the road in a wild card series. No way. No, no chance. So that's where they're at. That's where they're at. And they got to get out of that in the next 60 days. They got a 60 day countdown to have us feeling by Christmas, opening up gifts. I want to open up, open up a gift that says, you know, Blake Snell's coming to the Red Sox. That's what yeah, I want. Right. That, I don't want any real gifts this Christmas. I just want the best Christmas starters. gift in the world. <laughs> yeah. Let's just get that. Let's all get Snell for Christmas. That's what we're getting. And we're going to be happy with it. But if they don't, if that's not the case, if you're not getting those dudes, then we're just running this thing back again. And if Turner's not here, then you're going to fill it in, you know, that in with someone similar and, you know, you're just plug in place and then Duvall's gone, but then we got a similar guy that has some experience, but gets hurt. It's like you keep doing this game over and over again. And all of a sudden you look up and it's been eight, nine years and you made the playoffs once. And that's pathetic, especially with the current format. D-backs won 84 games and they're, they're about to host at least two world series games. So you got to, you have to have a team that we can all feel confident is going to make the playoffs come opening day uh, in what I would assume is late March. Yeah, no, it is. And the pressure is on Breslow to make those moves and to give us a team that we feel confident in. So coming up, we're going to be making a bold prediction on the Red Sox regular season record in the 2024 season. So you definitely don't want to miss that. But we're talking about the holidays and Christmas and what we want for Christmas, which involves the Boston Red Sox. But how does a free Thanksgiving meal sound to you? This year, Ibotta is here to give you cash back and help make sure your Thanksgiving table is complete. Because who wants turkey without the gravy? Starting November 1st for the fourth year in a row, Ibotta is giving 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving feast. Just add the offers in the app to redeem for everything you need to make your Thanksgiving feast complete. All you have to do is shop at your favorite retailers and upload your receipt. Download the Ibotta app now and use code MLB to get 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving dinner starting November 1st. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code MLB. That's I-B-O 
TTA in the Google Play or App Store and use code MLB. I mean, I know from experience how expensive that Thanksgiving dinner can be. Last year, I had a little Friendsgiving with my friends and we all contributed something towards that meal. But I saw how much everything was at the end and it was not cheap. So any way that I can get things cheaper, I'm going for, as should you. So check out Ibotta today and use that code MLB. Also, while you're in your app store, also download the SiriusXM app and search Red Sox so you don't have to miss a single pitch of any game. I mean, we're all adults. We have real responsibilities. We don't always have time to sit and watch the game in full in front of our TV as much as I would love for that to be my life. Um, I also have real responsibility. So if you don't have time to sit and watch the entire game start to finish. It's a great way to keep up with what's going on so you don't have to miss a single pitch of Red Sox baseball. And in 2024, when Craig Breslow is the star of the show, you probably won't want to miss it because hopefully he provides some excitement these next couple months to give us a reason to be excited about the 2024 Red Sox. And that being said, Steve, I am curious to know your thoughts say Breslow does everything we want him to do is really aggressive on the pitching market, brings in a couple solid starters and maybe irons out the outfield situation, the second base situation and everything we feel like there's a question mark on gets resolved before the season starts. What would you say would be the Boston Red Sox record? Like how would you feel about that Red Sox team? I'd say 162 and 0. Uh, if we can get top like end that. starters, I think they go undefeated uh, pretty easily. I don't really feel that bad about that. I mean, it's funny to think back to 2021 that they won 92 games. Like we've yeah. been, we've hated this team for a lot of this stretch since 18. And just, I mean, hated can be strong. People don't like that. Like the disappointment of us 162 people that watch all these games and are constantly just like, eh, they don't got it. Which, by the way, I can promise you Alex Cora has felt like that a lot in the last few years. And I think that contributed to him and Heim Bloom maybe not having the greatest relationship. Where, like you mentioned with the trade deadlines and potential player acquisition and the roster is the roster. I think that was a line from Cora this year. We yeah. all kind of know and have that feeling. They don't got it. They don't got the guys. They don't got the dogs. They don't have the, the right ingredients uh, for us to actually really get our hopes up. I definitely convinced myself after that. What was the Braves? I think it was the two game sweep of the Braves. I was like, this team's making the playoffs. It's a playoff team. Oh, yeah, it's going to go well. You know, were like, all right, it's, it's this is this is going down. We feel good about ourselves. And, you know, everything kind of like that, too. Yeah, everything kind of faded, you know, from there. But, you know, they they genuinely need to get the guys that we talk about. And if they do that, this is what we forget before. You know, they weren't really trying in September and kind of, I don't want to say gave up on the season because the season was over. They weren't going to make the playoffs. You had the Bear Claw game. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Um, you kind of knew it was over. But let's say hypothetically they're still pushing and going all out in September. They probably have the same record as the friggin' Diamondbacks do right now, a team that's in the World Series. So if you actually make these additions, bring in legit starters, you feel good about the lineup, which there's no real re uh, going into opening day next year. The Sox, there's going to be no excuse for them not to have a top five uh, offense in baseball. That's you don't even have to make many additions for that to be the case. So it, that's comfortable knowing that if you pair it with real pitching and feel like you can actually hold teams to, you know, two, three, four runs instead of needing to outslug everybody, they should be in the 90s and wins like that shouldn't really be that big 
of an adjustment to make. And you look at 21, that's a 92 and 70 team. That was two wins from the world series. So um, I, I feel confident that big moves are going to be made, but there's always that chance. There's, there's, you know, 29 other teams. There's always the chance that even if you feel good and Heim's been public about that, I think we've talked about it privately. Even if you feel great about a transaction and think it's at the finish line, it can be gone like that within five minutes, all of a sudden the guy backs out, he goes to another team and then the future of your club has completely shifted in a, a five minute span. So that's about to be what happens in this next few months, good or bad. There's going to be a lot of stuff that Breslow is going to learn. I guess you can point to the, the amount of assistant GMs they have is like a good thing now, where it's like, here's what happened in this situation. Here's what happened in that. You know, there can be a little bit of uh experience there from from past moves and and what they learned and what they're not going to repeat this offseason but yeah you make those those big splashes no reason they shouldn't be a 92 93 94 win team but then you know the other question comes in of where does that put you in this division because the division's still stacked even though uh, uh, 0-7 I think the final record was for the AL East in the playoffs I still can't wrap my brain around that it's that kind of brings us down a notch, right? I feel like next season we shouldn't go into like AL beast. Like let's drop AL beast. Maybe I think we got to put that one on ice, but um, you still got to be a nineties win team to exist in this division and feel like you have a chance at uh, potentially hosting, you know, a, a playoff series instead of having to go on the road in the wildcard series. Yeah. And I think people try to convince themselves that the Red Sox were closer than they actually were. I mean, we really saw some holes in this roster. And I was talking to people who said, well, yeah, they only really need one more piece. And that's just at the end of the day, not the case. Uh, They are further away than people like to believe. And I think towards the end of the season, people were really starting to realize that more, um, that they just need reinforcements and they just need help in a lot of different areas. Um, I'm going with a 91 season in 2024. I think they, I am confident that Breslow is here because they feel like he's capable of making those types of moves. Um, and he understands, at least I would hope, um, the pressure that he's under right now to make those kinds of moves. And he's seen what's gone on with this team. So I feel like, he will do things that will make Red Sox fans happy and uh, give us a reason to be excited for him to be here. But obviously that's still an unknown because he hasn't been in this position. So we don't know how he's going to approach it, but I just hope that I'm looking at a team and I could say, based on this roster, I see them winning 90 games. Um, Because like you said, they do have a good offense overall. It's not, it's definitely a competitive offense and they make pitchers work and they just need to just really iron that out and kind of figure out the second base situation. And I hope that they cut down on the errors because that was so, so bad. And one of the biggest reasons they were losing some of these games, I mean, Devers defensively still needs to improve and they just overall as an infield need to fix the defense. So I hope that they can win 90 games next year. I think, um, you know, if they make the right moves, it's certainly possible. The division, obviously, like you mentioned, is also stacked, but they could be right in that mix as long as they go about it the right way. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think, you know, even with the ups and downs of this past season and the year before, it's a top five runs offense in baseball, even with everything that happened. You know, you'd have one month where they're great, the next they're not. They would still produce better than... 80% of the league offensively 
and it didn't matter a lot of times because they're they're blowing games. They got guys going out there, uh, giving up bombs. You know, we know with Tanner how a couple times through the lineup, all of a sudden it's now six to two. And, you know, when you're behind that much that frequently, that's going to impact you mentally in terms of, God, we got to do it again. We got to hit a, another grand slam tonight to try to stay in this thing. The one element of Breslow that I've, you know, and it's and people write about this as well that I do get a little chuckle out of is like, oh, well, he's got the pitching background. And obviously he had a really good year here in 2013 and, you know, helped his team win a ring and he developed Cubs pitchers and they really feel good about that. Like we say, oh, he's got the pitching background. So he'll, he'll understand, you know, the situation the Red Sox are in. It's like, I, you could be a moron and understand the Red Sox need pitching. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think you need to be like uh, uh, whatever he is, like molecular chemistry, bio, yabadoo major to understand that this team needs legitimate pitching. So I get what everyone's saying. It's like, that doesn't hurt that this guy is a knowledgeable pitcher and understands the game. And you throw all those keywords out there and everything really smart baseball mind. It, it would, it, you could be an idiot baseball mind and look at the Red Sox and be like, yeah, they obviously need pitching. They obviously don't have guys that you can give the ball in the playoffs and feel good about. So it's, it's this like, you know, kind of flip thing of like, okay, well, yeah, he, he would understand more that they need pitching. It's like, well, anyone would kind of know that, you know, to begin with. So how much does that really change things? And I do wonder how that changes negotiations where it's like, if let's say hypothetically, the Red Sox look into to trade for a starter, if they don't land a free agent starter, it changes things when it's like, we know how desperately you guys need our guy. So now we're taking two of your top 10 prospects, forget one of them. And, you know, like a middle of the road, but like in Verdugo, I don't want to say Verdugo's middle of the road. It's my guy. I love that guy. But if you're, you're going to try to pair Verdugo with the traffic and all that, now these other teams are going to try to, and eh, now let's try to get a little more out of you because we know how desperate you are for starting pitching. This is part of the process of having to dig out of the hole that they've put themselves in. And, you know, again, that's, that's the top challenge for Breslow. It's like, you're coming into a situation where, you're playing from behind and can he get them caught up by opening day, especially in these next few months to feel like, okay, we're at a level playing field in the AL East. Cause it was obviously far from that this year in the last couple of years. Yep. It's a challenge and just a tough spot for him to come into. So, I mean, honestly, all power to him for taking on this role. Um, but I'm hoping he understands the expectation and he can, do his best to just do what he can in this situation, because it's certainly not easy. They made it very, very difficult for him to come in and be in that spot. But I hope he makes the most of this offseason. I hope the Red Sox can turn the tide next year and be one of those teams that are competitive, um, you know, with their own division and be able to feel like a team that we can be excited about and be talking about the playoffs with again, because obviously Red Sox fans are tough critics and they are impatient and they are waiting to get back to that spot of being in the postseason. And I mean, I remember how fun 2021 was because people were not expecting them to do what they did in that season. And that was just a, such a fun year because my expectation was so much lower than what they actually did. So they surprised me in the best way possible. So I'm hoping that they can do the same this off season and give us something to look forward to heading into 2024. But Craig Breslow is the one that holds the keys to that and can make that decision. So Breslow, good luck to you. I mean, I'm rooting for you. So uh, it's a tough situation, but Steve, I truly appreciate you coming on here with me and giving your insight. I know this Breslow situation now that 
they finally put this whole search process to rest and we have somebody in there. It's great to get your insight on um, him and what he can provide for this team. No, I appreciate you having me on. Always good to chat. And it's nice that we know the guy. We know who this is. We have a little history with him. It's not like we had to read a bunch of pieces, be like, who the hell is Craig Breslow? We we know. We got familiarity. I think that's going to help him, too. He doesn't feel like he's the outlier, like I mentioned earlier. Um, but, yeah, time to get to work. He's got to make huge decisions very soon. Can he do it? We shall see. Yeah, we absolutely shall see. And don't forget to... Continue to make the show your first listen of every day on whatever podcast platform you prefer. I am here, so you should be too. Uh, just try to believe in the Red Sox as always. Let's go Boston, and I will talk to you next time.